0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club.
1: Hello, welcome to. IRC book club as we approach the 100th episode of the show pricey we've been at this for nearly 100 100 episodes
0: i think this is 98 isn't it
1: something like that let me have a look in my folder no point don't worry about it it's 98 it's it's definitely episode 98. i'm just looking in my spreadsheet now episode (laughs) 98 episode 4 of influence by robert chialdini so we need to plan a little special 100th birthday don't we really For the show, and we'll think of something novel and funny and stupid, as is our wont, that we can do whilst locked down and not actually sat in front of each other. Um, In the meantime, we've got a book to read. We have. What do you make of this one? What's it about? Let's uh, recap for the listeners. Influenced by Robert B. Chialdini, Ph.D., which is a joke I've now told for the fourth uh, week Mm -hmm. running. I think this book has been rubbish. Do you not like well, it? I've not enjoyed it—not one bit. Why don't? What don't you like about it? Just waffles on.
0: You see, I mean, two minds about his waffle because actually, his waffle is a scientific and historical fact to back up his point, and context and, and fully contextual add. So I read it thinking, "Oh God, suicide cult who cares." oh, God, some American politics, who cares? But then actually I stop myself and think, well, actually, it is based on, you know, the points he is making is based on historical and scientific fact. You know, that's I it all about it. I
1: think there's a couple of things at play for me. The first one is, had I been able to do this as an audiobook, it would have been a lot easier. Wouldn't you just switched off? No, nah, because I'd get out with the dog and I'd just allow it to... <sighs> wash over me and it goes into my brain and then I turn up I quickly skim read the chapter and I can do the book but it's meant that I've had to sit and read properly and that has I think I'm a bit resentful of that
0: okay so I've got uh, to put that in its context in its place and it's quite hard to read actually you know like some books you can skim them a little bit and, and actually read them properly with the paper in your hand you can't even really skim this You've got to properly read every single word. And I couldn't get
1: a a, a DRM-removed PDF either, so I've had to read an actual physical
0: bit of kit, Um, and that's annoyed me. I've got to say, I think it's a good book. Okay. I I, I think that the actual content of it is good. Really good. I think what's interesting about this book is... I think what's interesting about this book is, particularly from a marketing perspective, I suspect there are lots of twenty-four-year-old marketeers who are doing stuff and they don't understand where that stuff has come from. Yeah, and and it has actually come from this from this guy, really. The actual this theoretical basis behind why
1: they are why
0: you have to write an a, 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 a piece on why Kellogg's cornflakes are the best cornflakes in the world, all that kind of stuff—it's come from this book, actually. Yes. It's a, it, it's an influential book called Influence. I, I actually would go as far to say that I liken it very much to the Drucker book. Bloody pain in the ass to read, really old fashioned, goes on, know that this person, I wouldn't like him, but I know I'm going to reflect on it and go, yeah, it was worth reading. Oh, I think and, you'd and and quite like book.
1: Peter Drucker if you met him.
0: I doubt it. Is he still alive? No, long since Brown Bread. Fair enough. Right, so what chapter are we on today, Jonathan? So we're doing
1: chapter six and seven, which are the two shortest chapters, thank God, um, of the book, uh, entitled Authority, and then the other one was Scarcity. So, uh, on the subject of authority, I read something interesting this morning, which is that Donald Trump is taking this anti-malarial drug, hydroxychloroquine. Okay. All right? Now, that's irrespective of the rest of the world saying it, it has no bearing on uh, COVID 19, and more to the point that most doctors are saying, well, it can cause a really odd heart arrhythmias, liver illness. You know, it's a bit of a last resort. I think he's drink. great,
0: Trump. I think we should get him on our 100th show.
1: I'd love it. <laughs> um, and as somebody's pointed out, he's also a bit fat, and, he, and fat people apparently shouldn't be taking it. Um, but imagine the authority with which people will now be going out and
0: seeking hydroxychloroquine. People will be trying well, to buy it, it will have, it will be outselling. It will have it will have sold out. Yeah. Now I I
1: happened and I'm not gonna go into why to have been on the dark web recently. I've got to tell you, that gear is going for a lot of money. Right. A lot it's expensive. But imagine now, if you're an American thicko in Butville, Michigan, right? And the president's just come out and gone, yeah, yeah, I'm taking hydroxychloroquine. You're out there trying to buy it right now. Where can I get some? I'm going to put some in my bunker. And I think that, in reality, sums up that chapter, doesn't it? it, it but I, I guess we should go sort into, it,
0: of, into sort a little of, I mean, bit get- more detail. He gives this example of a, a, a of an experiment. I think that, somewhere
1: that experiment is one of the most cycle psycho- most famous psychology experiments in human history.
0: Right, well, so fair it. enough. Um, yeah, but that's the a, point the, about the book. It's based the, the, on the, fact
1: the, and science, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Milgram experiments are absolutely the that and the Zimbardo prison experiments are amongst the most. Famous scientific. So
0: go on, explain the Milgram experiment for those listening then, and it's right. and what it so means to us. The, Milgr-
1: the Milgram experiment listeners, if you haven't read the book, should it's worth reading actually, I guess, for this, because it's a fascinating period in human history. Psychologists can't do these experiments anymore, pricey. They're not allowed. Right. It, it was deemed uh, it was deemed brilliant, but at the same time utterly bang out of order. Right, fair enough. So basically the, the crux of the Milgram experiment is I put an advert out. I say I need volunteers. You turn up to volunteer for the psychological experiment. One volunteer is going to become the uh, tester, and the other volunteer is going to become the testee. And the tester gets told, "Listen, go ask him questions, and every time he gets questioned wrong, you flick the switch to give him an electric shock. And the more he gets wrong, the increase that you give on the voltage. And what the test subject one who's actually asking the questions doesn't know is that test subject two is actually an actor and they put the test subject two in the room and they start asking questions and the actor is screaming and "Ah, are you killing me? Oh my God. And what was fascinating about the experiment was that people kept going because the guy in the white lab coat said you should so, people. Uh, so, the point of the experiment was people defer to authority, and people do crazy
0: things in the face of authority. And therefore, what does that mean for our selling public? Because I was thinking about how a salesperson puts this in action. Well, um, it's you know it, it, that was the hard bit of the experiment.
1: Uh, of the point was where's the real relevance to me as a salesperson? And then he gave some examples of. For example, uh, there was a a, an, a part of an article thing where there was a famous marketing campaign where the actor in the campaign had played a very well loved TV doctor
0: for a medical. Yeah, yeah. So he product. wasn't a doctor; he was an actor that was a doctor, and it was for coffee or something, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, decaffeinated coffee.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and because uh, this actor was on the TV drinking decaffeinated coffee, people made the association that it was good for you. But they associated with the authoritarian character that was the actor.
1: And <laughs> hence that... my point. Hence mm. my point about Donald Trump and hydroxychloroquine. People will be out today. That's made the papers that he is taking that drug. People will be out today. There's another drug that he's taking, a prophylactic a antibiotic that his doctor has given him. People will be out trying to buy that drug in droves today on the dark web irrespective of the fact that there's no scientific basis behind any of it.
0: It was interesting, some of the reference that he makes that give authority, one was titles. Yeah. Um, which is very it's very different culture-to-culture, culture, actually, titles. Americans and Indians seem very tied up about titles. Everybody's, a v- everybody's the VP of toilet cleaning, aren't they, in America? And, and India, actually. A lot of the Indian companies like that, these guys that work for TCS and those kind of companies. Senior Vice President of Toilet Sanitation. And I remember once placing a guy out of somewhere like TCS or so- something like that, an Indian offshore company, and he was really bothered about the title in his contract. And he was a sales guy, and I said to him at the time, "I said, you know, what is it?" He said, "It's just the way that Indian people do business. They want to buy from somebody that's got a bigger title." I said, "What? Even if it makes no difference?" He said, "Yeah, even if it makes no difference." Well, it's funny,
1: Mike, because that's going to be very, very alien to you.
0: Well, it's not me, is it? So I couldn't because
1: you, you, you are so. That's just so not you. Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: It, it, uh, and uh, it's,
1: I've known that, I know you well enough to know that is, it, it surprises you. I think we've seen, that. I see that every now and then in a candidate where the title
0: is so important to them. Well, it's a number one giveaway, isn't it? What's your job title? Uh, see, I'm not that bothered about titles. Oh, really? <laughs> right. And I put a little yeah. note that when the offer letter comes out, the client needs to think about titles. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: titles just a- don't mean anything to me. Right, okay, wants to be Senior VP of Sales.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just a dead giveaway straight away. And the other one is clothes. Now, I wonder how dated this is in the current environment, because even I'm not wearing a suit today, Jonathan.
1: I made exactly that note, that the rules of... Well, the thing is, Steve Jobs changed the rules of the game, didn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So
1: uh, I put here... um I think clothing wise, Steve Jobs completely changed the rules because what he said was actually real authority now is I've got that much authority. I don't wear a suit.
0: Oh, so it's still down to clothing then. Cause what's interesting is yes. lady who lives behind me is a GP and she has been working online through the COVID thing and doing online um, uh, appointments, consultations, whatever. And, and she's a standard GP. And then we do this clap for carers thing on, on Thursdays, like everybody else does. And she came around and she was talking and I said, how are you getting on body bar? she said, oh, "Well, I've just stopped to work. I've just stopped work now to do this clapping. I said, all right. I said, oh, not being funny or anything. You wearing a hoodie? She said, yeah, yeah. She said, well, I'm working from home, so I don't have to, you know, wear doctory clothes is what she said. And I thought to myself, I met my GP online and she was wearing a hoodie.
1: Are you doing, doing video
0: consults. you doing video consults. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I don't I wouldn't like that. That's what I thought, and I'm not bothered about that kind of thing. And I thought, you know, she's a person of authority to me in terms of, you know, medical knowledge, and I would want her to look a bit more doctory. I'd, I'd want her in a white coat, mate. Well, you know, you'd want her in a, a unless she's looking a bit more doctory of some kind. Yeah. You know, you know, what would we yeah. think about what would we think of our politicians, you know, if Donald Trump turned up in his hoodie online? I remember once, many years ago, Pricey,
1: I was, I mean, we're talking coming up for, how long have I been married? Coming up, oh, a long time. Just, just after my wedding, um, I was poorly. I had like some weird bug, like a brain bug thing. wasn't nice, not nice at all. I ended up in the neurology ward at uh, Leeds General Infirmary. And a fella came along called Dr. Spilke, who was German, and he says, hello, I'm Dr. But you've created a more archetypal brain surgeon. And a more archetypal neurologist, neuro, neuro yeah, neurosurgeon. Yeah. And he comes on in his, in his surgical scrubs with one of those big shiny silvery things on his head.
0: And you thought we're in the game now. I thought, right,
1: it's all good now. I'm going to mm. be fine. And I remember thinking, right, Dr. Spilker's here. He's German, so he's going to be all right. Because, you know, I immediately associated him with BMW and Mercedes and German engineering. And I thought, German engineering, my brain, it's all going to be good, this.
0: Yeah, but the um, point there is about what, was his, ti- what was his title? What yep. clothes was he wearing? Yep. And it, he and exuded he, yeah authority, and therefore you were reverential to him and did what he said.
1: Dr. Spilke, I'm the, I'm the on-call neuro, uh, neurologist today, or whatever he was. And I thought, right, oh. okay, right. Also, it's all going to be good.
0: And the other thing about authority, one of the other criteria he suggests here is trappings.
1: Yeah, so it's a funny one, isn't it? So we've already covered the fact that Steve Jobs has changed the game here. But there, there are almost... New, so in the old days, you know, you take... You're like that fella that used to work for us. He's obsessed with the trappings, isn't he? Got to, yes, have, yeah. got to have the watch, got to have the car, yada, yada, yada. Now, actually, the trappings have changed of authority in a business context, I think.
0: Well, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because because the thing that books this trend a little bit is one of my all-time best clients. You know him. His title is CEO. Yeah, yeah. His it's... clothes. I mean, literally, he looks like he bought a suit in 1983 that was dry clean only <laughs> and dries it in a washing machine every day. From Farrah. Uh, tra- well, not even from there. And trappings, I mean, he's got an Audi, but, you know, I can remember him making me a cup of tea once and the mug was so badly cracked it dripped out of the side you know he just doesn't care for it but no. he has authority without the trappings total 100% authority you sit there in that and you business think, i know you're in charge
1: Well, what's interesting is so often now you can go to a meeting and there will be somebody in the room who doesn't exude the authority but is the authority and well, you look at the guy that, to
0: discern you look at the guy that you used to work for that you still speak to he had a white suit that made him look like Mr. Del Monte. He yeah. had a ludicrously shit beard and yeah. his shoes looked like he did his vegetable plot in them. Just looked like a shuffly old fella. Total oh, authority. Had total authority. You know, trappings. I, I, and, yeah. a, and a monumental brain. Mm. So but what's interesting about the trappings is I think I think that the it's different now because this book was written in the 80s and we're in 2020. And credit is so readily available. You can go and lease, you know, a 100K car but it, for 600 quid a month. You I'm can go and buy a watch on Chucky. At I'm not convinced,
1: is, Mike, as a salesperson, that gives you authority anymore.
0: I, 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 I agree with you. I think we look at trappings in a different way now, because credit has taken taking away the, the edge off trappings, hasn't it? You know, in the 80s, if somebody had yeah. a BMW 7 Series, you thought, right, that's, this fella's paid for it. Whereas 2020, if somebody's got a BMW 7 series, you think, yeah, yeah, it's just on PCP release. at least. Yes, you do.
1: And you look at it and think, well, did you really buy that? Are you really a top boy? And yeah, what's so really I- fascinating is a lot of the very wealthy people I know now are almost anti-trappings.
0: It's, it's, well, it's interesting. Where I live, it's, not, it's a good place in Leeds. It's not one of the absolute dead premium places, but there's a real fashion for driving the shittest car you can. Yes. That's my point. Like so, a sh- very
1: wealthy guy I know had a, has a Range Rover, which he's had for several years. It, it's the absolute top end, top end, top end Range Rover, but actually spends a lot of his time driving his son's uh, Polo. And he just raves about the Polo constantly. It's unbelievable. You can park it anywhere, it's nippy, it's comfy. The 12 grand that I paid for it, I can't believe how much car you get for your money. So it's but interesting is this that chapter. successful, and he's he's that successful, and he's that wealthy. He just doesn't care what people think. Yeah. And I so think the this, rules
0: of authority have changed. I think a lot. I think so. Yeah, hundred percent. Since he wrote the book, the, the next chapter, scarcity, hasn't changed at all. I don't think so. Chapter seven, scarcity. It, no, it, this
1: is an interesting one, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, very very much so. I can remember reading the Tony Robbins book, Awaken the Giant Within, and he gives a story about the jar of cookies. Uh, It's not in this book, actually. And he said, Yeah, yeah. So we just filled the house full of cookies. And obviously, because they weren't scarce, people stopped eating them. And and this guy, you know, he gives an example about there's a picture of a man who's got a a, a misprinted $1 bill or something. That's the most valuable $1 bill in the world. Yeah. Um,
1: and, there's, a, there's a copy of a Harry Potter book going around with a misprint in it that apparently is going for about a quarter of a million quid, if you can find that, them. Yeah.
0: Um, and and I, I, I do wonder, you know, in the current IT sales market, I don't think any of the IT companies are able really to use scarcity as a, as a leverage point because it's SaaS delivered and self service software. So it's not Um, like we say, well, listen, you need to get your order in today because actually I'm looking at my installation team and they're booked out for, you know, the next six months or something like that. You know, software, is software scarce, no? Well, you can invent scarcity, can't you? You Much harder to do with with SaaS-based software.
1: I was talking to a a client yesterday and he said, listen, I've I've put most of my bench, truly on the bench on furlough, so if he had a deal on the go now, he'd say to a client, listen, I've had to put a lot of my guys on furlough due to the lack of new opportunities coming in. So I could only work on so many deals so I really could do with the order I knew. Yeah, well, but it's, it's much, much but harder. It's much
0: harder. I concur completely.
1: So just, software, to expand, you know, in, in, just to expand. It's Just to expand my income, hmm. I think we maybe just need to expand on this a little bit. What he's, what he's basically saying is people buy things that are hard to get. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And the more hard to get they are, the more people buy them. I mean, I nearly fell for one the other week. Remember that little DJI camera I had that was like a little built-in gimbal? Yes. So I traded that in for my Ricoh GR3. And then I realized, actually, I wish I hadn't traded it in. Lo and behold, I get an email from DJI saying, it's 185 quid or something today in the bank holiday sale. But the sale ends at midnight. Scarcity. And I'm sat there thinking, should I do that? I really miss having that. It's 185 quid. And I, I sort of had, I had to have a little chat with myself about if well, so I don't really think needed is, it.
0: I don't think that is scarcity. I think they've created a false deadline. I think- But that's what he's saying is scarcity comes in both time and resource. Well, I think the better example of scarcity is toilet rolls and pasta. Oh, ridiculous. You know, we're in COVID, right? You know, middle of it, you couldn't buy toilet rolls or pasta. My wife came back from the supermarket last week and was delighted to have got some flour. Yes. I, said, I said, what are you going to make with your flour? She went, oh, I don't know. Flour became a ridiculous... I, I,
1: early on in the crisis, I, I remember people driving <laughs> flour over to our house. Oh, I've got flour. I'll drop some off outside the house.
0: Yeah. Flour. Now, actually, Fancy. that's the law of scarcity that this guy's talking about. Now, Absolutely. Actually, I, I, but putting it back into context with our client base, I don't think scarcity is as easy to apply in a software environment. I think it probably is in hardware. You know, I think there's probably been a rush on laptops, hasn't there? Because everybody's working oh, from you home. won't be
1: able to get laptops for shit, will you?
0: No, but you can still get another version of, you know, another license to Salesforce.com. They can switch that on tomorrow.
1: Pricey, I placed a fella recently with a big <laughs> job, and uh, we got talking about fitness and working out and stuff before he started. And he bought a Concept2 Rower during the uh, lockdown. Now, I know this guy's made a lot of money in his career. Well, he needs to have it, won't he? <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind he has paid two to three times the going rate for
0: that. Consultancy. Most likely. Yeah. Because they're so scarce. They are. Well, I was going to get some more plates, my dumbbells, actually. Can't get them. And I, <clears throat> they're, they're, they're twice <laughs> as much as I paid. You can't get anything. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to buy a new uh,
1: r- uh, squat rack. Can't buy one.
0: Scarcity. But the point getting back to it is, you know, this this book club is how about how do people put this Apply into practice that. in their business I think scarcity in software is very, very, very difficult to apply. It is because it's an infinite resource. Yeah, you just switch uh, it on.
1: I think if you're in a bit more of a services-driven business, it, it, it's easier to apply. But I think in the current economic climate, I think that's much more difficult.
0: Yeah, the only because point the clients, the
1: clients are just going to say, "Ah, oh, shut up."
0: Yeah, just give me another license. Uh, or, or, or
1: oh, shut up! Don't tell me you. Every guy's booked out. I don't care. I'm not having it. So. It's a funny one. I mean, I remember as a lad, I used to work in this clothes shop that had a constant closing down sale. Constant.
0: You yeah. there, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, what I was doing actually as you were talking is I was flicking through this chapter thinking, God, you must have written something else about it somewhere. I'll but tell you a really good t- use of the case of scarcity. And
1: I'm going <laughs> to pan them because I enjoy panning them. It's Pareto. <laughs> Yeah. So what happens is you show up as a customer, right, at the Pareto assessment day, and they have 10 clients in the room, 20 graduates, five of whom are handpicked as actually they know damn well are good. And then the other 15, it's a bit like X Factor, have been carefully picked to be shit. And so you've got 10 customers killing each other for the five good candidates. Very clever. Do you think they do that on purpose? Yes. It's a manipulation. Right. Fair enough. Total manipulation. And, uh, uh, and, and they do all sorts of stuff that's worse. It's a, it's a deliberate manipulation. They pile out of the 20 graduates, 10 of them are utter muppets that you wouldn't, you wouldn't hire in a million years. <laughs> you know, just long haired idiots, <laughs> drips, right, okay. long haired idiots and drips. You always start thinking, what's this kid doing here? And then there's five where you think Navy suit, white shirt, short hair, went to Warwick, uh, sparky personality, played rugby, strapping lad, really witty, sharp, right? i love you. But before you know it, you're fighting it out with 10 other companies. Right. Fair enough. And it keeps the fee structure high, doesn't it? Right. I want to hire that one. Yeah, great. You've got no ability to negotiate on the
0: fee. I suspect you probably have today. What, on graduate recruitment?
1: Yeah. <gasps> I imagine it must be carnage. Carnage. Yeah. Well, there, there was a thing on the BBC this morning saying that uh, the group that will suffer the most will be 18 to 25. 18 to 24 to
0: 25. <sighs> Absolutely. So that's that's the chapter scarcity. We covered the chapter authority, which thought was a bit outdated, really. <laughs> to be perfectly honest.
1: And then there's a sort of thing at the end, instant influence, that sort of didn't make any difference whatsoever. And then a load of notes because he hasn't academically researched the book properly. So we haven't really talked about a lot today.
0: I mean, let's be clear, Johnny. That just on on the academic notes bit, and this is the research that backs up the book. Academic Notes is 30 oh. pages long.
1: Yeah, the, his bibliography is 30
0: pages. That's how many people he references. So I'll tell you about this book. I mean, let's just recap very quickly on the, the things that he says create influence. I'm just trying to find the uh, <laughs> oh, the, the weapons of influence. That's what he refers to, refers to them as. Um, commitment and consistency. I thought that was very interesting. I am using that. Reciprocation. I am using that a lot. I've been using that yeah. email that you have seen. That has been working an absolute a, treat.
1: Pricy, It's a blind.
0: Have you been using it as well? Yeah. Really a, good. Really it's a, good. It's just a beaut, isn't it? You send somebody something mm. and they just pour the heart out to you. Right. Thanks ever so much, body bar. <laughs> Social proof, I think is very interesting. I think like, liking, very interesting. A, a bit outdated. Authority, very outdated scarcity very good but just not relevant for our market really actually less so yeah less authority so is others. an
1: interesting one authority is more of a debate isn't it now than I necessarily author, uh,
0: authority's changed isn't it yeah absolutely our, our, our version of what authority is has changed to us as people yeah i reckon and that's so the
1: that's the books what's up next on irc book club mike
0: I know, Jonathan. I'm waiting for you to tell me. We've one of our avid listeners, James, who sent a book. You were talking about reading that one, weren't you?
1: Yeah. Well, on the schedule is spin selling. Oh, Is that the next one? Yes. But then James sent me a book, and I've I started it the other day, and I've got it on Audible, so I can do a little bit more of it on with the dog. Um, Lillian loves a good sales book. Um, called what's it called? Is it gone? It's called It Starts with Clients by Andrew Sobel. um And that seems like a really good book and it came very highly recommended. So I'm going to read a bit of that. And if that's a blinder, maybe we'll move on to that and we'll push spin selling back. But I thought spin selling would be a good one to do as a cycle in our 100th episode.
0: You know, I think it is spin selling. It's a bit like Miller Hyman, actually. It's uh, one of those books that people say they understand, but probably have never read it.
1: Yeah, I practice spin selling. All right, what does spin stand for?
0: Um, yeah. Uh, um, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. So I think it's one of those very basic uh, sort of things. And again, it's very well researched, spin selling as a book, isn't it? It, it is. So. We'll make a decision
1: on that in the next couple of weeks. You won't be hearing this episode for another couple of weeks. So, by that time, we'll have told the world what we're going to be reading. Um, at that, it's been exciting. It's been emotional, influenced by Robert Chialdini. Whether we'll I read Pre Influence's new book? I think I, I'll tell you what I think about this book, Pricey, out of 10. Firstly, I'm going to give it five and a half.
0: Because that's a low score.
1: Yeah, it's getting a five and a half for me. But. If you'd given it to me on holiday, sat by a swimming pool,
0: I'd have given it eight. That's because my... of because of all its meanderings away from the point.
1: I'd have really enjoyed the meanderings
0: on holiday. There's some quite interesting stuff, but
1: Yeah, I'd have really enjoyed them and I'd have intellectualised over them, I'd have stopped and have put the book down, spoken to the missus about them.
0: Yada, 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 yada.
1: And I've, I think, and I, th- I also think, had I had an audible version of it, I'd have really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, it, it is, it is the Drucker version. It's, it's just like Drucker's book. It's so just give it time. I give it a seven and a half, probably. Ooh, I, thought it was good. Half? I mean, as much as I hated reading it, I did think it was really good. And actually, it's it's one of those books. If I look at the percentage points of what I've taken taken away. I've taken more away from that than I have from a lot of the others.
1: Yeah. And and the value of the takeaways has been very high. If you compare it to, have I taken anything away from Jeb Blunt? No. Sorry, Jeb. No. Mark Hunter? No. Um, But so actually it's been the most valuable to us as a business. It's been a valuable book, hasn't it?
0: I think so. So I'm being one, unfair at five, really. I think you just got annoyed with it because it's just a bit of a cumbersome book to read, really.
1: Yeah. And for me, the big challenge is if I'm using reading time at the weekend, it's taking up reading time from other things I want to read. So I can become very quickly resentful of a book if it's not cracking on at a pace and throwing wonderful ideas at me.
0: So well, I just finished the chip Anna. I- I finished The Chimp Paradox yesterday, actually. I thought that was very good and worth reading. And I reread the NLP, The Unfair Advantage again. I thought that was very good and and reading. And I'm reading one on mindfulness at the minute by Mark Williams.
1: That's a good one. Yeah. I'm reading a book on mindfulness called Waking Up by Sam Harris, which is the densest material on mindfulness and meditation. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm a bright guy. That gets stuff. Whew. It's, um, he starts talking about the nature of human consciousness and the right. concept of self as being illusory. And my God, it's hard to understand. But when you start to work, oh, do it, do it alongside his meditation course, it's actually really good.
0: It is, but at that, we are only,
1: only consciousness. And at that, We wish you all farewell. Goodbye.